0: Um, Today we're going to be vibing a little bit But we're going to read That's what we're going to do We're going to engage in the scriptures So um, really I'm going to quickly just shout out Where everybody's at real quick I got Dallas, Texas in the house I got Des Moines, Iowa in the house Lake Vermilion, in the house Colorado in the house Illinois, Texas, North Carolina Delaware, Bear Delaware Palm Bay in the house I've got Minnesota, Porto, Georgia Cincinnati, Ohio, Florida, Cali Flint, Michigan, Maryland, Virginia in the house. I got Gary, Indiana in the house. I've got San Diego in the house, Lakeland, Florida in the house. Guys, we got people from all over who are here. I've got, look at that, I've got DC in the house, Orlando in the house, Arkansas in the house, Australia in the house, Namibia in the house, Jamaica, South Africa in the house, North Carolina, Jamaica. Look at that guys, Lancaster, Ohio, Alabama, Georgia, Fort Myers. I've got Germany in the house, Baltimore in the house, the American Samoa in the house, Johannesburg in the house. I can't wait to visit. Singapore in the house, New Hampshire in the house. Guys, we got people from all over New York in the house. Hey, Ellison, good to see you, buddy. So glad you're here. Get your Bible open, get ready to go. Okay, buddy. Um, I've got Kansas in the house, Texas in the house. We are all here together in simultaneity to read the word of God, guys. This is, this is incredible. This is awesome. This is exciting that we can all come together. Nigeria in the house. Good to see you. Massachusetts, ATL. All right, I got my IG fam who's here with me as well. Let me quickly shout you guys out real quick. I got the Netherlands in the house. I've got South Africa, Kenya, St. Louis, Georgia. I've got Queens in the house, Kenya dallas in the house good to see you all um just truly truly excited i'm I'm looking forward to this time that we're going to spend together if you are here for the first time and you're wondering okay what is it that these guys are doing here for the past few months we've been gathering together online from different parts all around the world to read together the scripture my focus is to expose you to the totality of the text and so we've been reading through uh We read through the entire New Testament and now we're reading through the entire Old Testament. And so we've read through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So we've read the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. And now we are going to be journeying through the historical books. We start Joshua uh, today. So I am excited. I'm looking forward to this time that we're gonna spend together. So if you guys can go ahead and get yourself situated, we're gonna turn our Bibles to Joshua. Uh, if you are here for the first time, I just want to say uh, I'm so glad you're here. Um, I've got people from all over. OK, I got a couple of people with their hands raised saying first timer." So glad you're here. So glad you are engaging with us in the scriptures. I uh, find this to be the most transformative uh, activity for anyone who's looking to develop their spiritual life. This is the most most transformative endeavor for the believer is to actually read the word and read the scriptures for themselves. And so what I do is is I read for about 20, 30 minutes and then I spend another 20 to 30 or whatever, however, you know, whatever time I'm afforded to uh, to ruminate over the text, to reflect over the text. And so I don't really have anything planned except that I'm just going to share whatever the Lord is revealing to me uh, in that moment and in that season. And so I call it a rant because I've got nothing structured. I'm not here with a Bible study or sermon or anything of that nature, even though I am praying about incorporating Bible study as well. Not there yet, but you'll notice that there are elements of Bible study in what we do because sometimes what the Lord is revealing to me in this time and what I'm meditating on as I'm reading the scriptures, since you're given the privilege to eavesdrop on my biblical and my scriptural meditation in the morning, um, I may back up a little bit and just give you guys a little bit of context and a little bit of a, a scriptural study just to help you understand where we are. Um, I do believe that one of the greatest uh, con- contributions I've made so far, and I've gotten this from many of you in uh, who've engaged with us over the past, you know, weeks and months in the Read and Rant is, man, I'd, I've i never read the Bible this way. That's what I get from a lot of people. I get I get from a lot of you, man, if only I'd ever read it this way or heard it this way, this would have changed my entire perspective on the scripture and on my faith and on life. Now, those of you who grew up in church that now do not have faith, there's some of you here who are atheists or agnostics, and you're just kind of just curious about, what is this about? Like, I'm I'm interested in this. This is really about giving you an honest presentation of the scriptures. Um, and so if you are here for the first time, I truly believe that this will transform your life because in reading the Bible and in reading the text for what it actually says, man, look, it, it changes everything it changes everything. This scripture was meant to reveal the heart and the character of God. Uh, It was meant to reveal God's will and his plan and what he has done for humanity, this scripture. And I'm going to back it up because I want to, I want us to, I want to ramp up. Okay. I want to ramp up into the book of Joshua. Not any, not even seminary teaches it that way. I I agree. I believe seminary teaches you theology, Um, but theology is not necessarily the scripture. Um, theology is just a human construct, and human philosophy, trying to package a scripture within that construct and within that philosophy. And so um, and not to say that there's anything wrong with theological studying, but it's important that we give precedence to our own personal reading in the Bible and in the scriptures. And so I find that even a lot of preachers, a lot of pastors, a lot of ministers don't even fully understand what this is saying. So this is our opportunity to come together to do that. Um, and so this is for everyone. This is for everyone. And this is really intended to give you scriptural perspective. Thank you so much for supporting me on the badges, by the way, for those of you who are on IG, I just got the badges going. And so, man, you guys have been really supportive. So I really appreciate that. I know my TikTok fans have been super supportive. You guys have been gifting me and I, I it, it keeps me going. I, I will say that it, it motivates me to continue to share. Um, what what the Lord has imparted on me to you. I don't require it, of course, um, but (laughs) um, I'm encouraged by it. So thank you so much. I would would continue to do it anyway, whether you gave or not, uh, because it's my passion. My passion is for you to actually be empowered in the reading of the scripture. That's my desire for you. And so uh, I'll do that because I know the Lord will bless me in that anyway. Um, And so I'm grateful for the privilege that God gives me to be able to share this word with you. Um, With that being said, uh, I do wanna preface, before we read Joshua, because we are shifting gears. We are moving now from the Torah, that is from the Pentateuch, that is from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy. And now we're shifting into um, the chronicling of the children of God, as they enter into the land, that's promised to them, okay? As they enter into the promised land, right? Um, And they begin to establish the kingdom there. Um, I, I, I like to use that term establishing of the kingdom because God's intention with the children of Israel was to set them aside to be a nation. He called them a holy nation, to be a nation set aside to reveal the kingdom of God, to reveal the kingdom of God and how they ruled that land, to reveal the kingdom of God and how they interacted with those who were within their family and those who were on the outside of their family. I said this from the beginning and I'll say this, this it's my preface and I will sound like a broken record, but I'm gonna say this over and over again, especially for people who are reading for the first time. There's a lot of you are first timers here. So I say this and and for those who've heard it, I think it's still fruitful for you to hear this is, When we read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, we're not reading scripture that is written to us, okay? Hold on one second. Um, I don't think my, uh, my phone is charging. Just give me a second. If I'm not charging, we're all in trouble because it's about to die. I just want to make sure we're up and running here. Give me one second. Okay. Good. All right. Beautiful. We're up and charging now. Um, so uh, I don't, I want you to read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. You ought to read it. And and the, the Old Testament, really, you ought to read it as a book that is written to ancient Israel. This is a book written to a particular people at a particular time. This is not a book written to Christians. And I think this is what happens. And I know I'm, I'm, I'm grossly simplifying it, but I have to say it in such a simplistic way because we get so bogged down when we read the scripture and we read it as if these are laws and things that are written specifically to us. And yet the scripture that we're reading, that we've read up to this point through the Old Testament is not scripture that was specifically written to us. The scripture wasn't written to us. Rather, the scripture was written for us, meaning who it was written to has implications for us today. Okay, but you cannot read it as if it is written to you. That's why when we read the 10 commandments or we read all these laws, they're not laws written to you as in precepts that you ought to follow in order to be a good Christian or in order to go to heaven, in order to be saved. Notice, even as we've been reading up to this point that, We, you haven't even heard obey the law and go to heaven, disobey the law and go to hell because the law was never, ever intended to be the conduit or the determination of who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. Okay. Sometimes we read this law and some Christians say, well, is it okay for me to do this because the Bible says this. There's a lot of things that the Bible says that aren't written directly or specifically to you, but rather the Bible is, is, is intended to chronicle the story of a people that are embodying the story of God and his people. That is all of humanity. God has a story for humanity and that story for the humanity is being played out and is being dramatized through the children of Israel. Okay. Through the children of Israel. So therefore, when we're reading the text, we have to first primarily read it that way, then back away. And after we've backed away and we're reading it, then we'll see how then do we now accomplish what God is calling us to do as his children, as the body of Christ. We've been reading it wrong. So when we read all these laws and all these commandments, we read them as if they're written to us. They weren't written to us. However, they were written for us. Um, We read through Genesis when God calls Abraham, and he calls Abraham to be a family, a family that brings righteousness and justice. um, Genesis ends with them going to, to, to Egypt. In Exodus, it opens with them in Egypt, but now these people that went from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, who now became a family, that family went to Egypt. In Egypt, they became a nation under the captivity of another nation because a nation cannot live in within another nation. And so now this nation of people Felt under the captivity of another nation. Moses was called now to pull these people out of captivity. Then that's what Exodus was all about. They leave Egypt and they go to Mount Sinai and at Mount Sinai, they make a covenant with God. Notice this story is about a people, okay? The, the Bible is a story about a people and about God with his people and these people, okay? And so now Exodus, right? They go to Mount Sinai and at Mount Sinai, they make a covenant with God. And in this covenant, God gives them a law that would shape them out. The covenant was that they would be the chosen people of God who would be holy and be the nation of priests that would reveal what the kingdom of God would look like on earth, okay? That they would be a nation of priests. What priests are, are simply mediators, the ones who stand between God and man, okay? So the kingdom that he's establishing is actually a kingdom of servanthood, a kingdom of suffering, He's establishing a kingdom of of servitude, a kingdom that would reveal what it was like to rule as God intended the people of God to rule. So it wasn't about economics or politics. It wasn't about power. It wasn't about any of that. They were chosen people of God set aside to reveal what God is like, okay? And so Exodus is, is, is really the establishing of the law, but even through the establishing of the law, Exodus ends with Moses not being able to enter into the tabernacle of meeting, which reveals to us now, that even though the children of Israel were given the law, the law itself was not good enough for them to enter into the presence of God. It's communicating to us that the law wasn't good enough. Leviticus opens with the priest, the prophet, not being able to enter into the presence of God. And so what Leviticus is, is a law of atonement in which now he calls a priest aside and sets a priest aside who brings a sacrifice and through the blood sacrifice, this unholy and unrighteous people who are the children of Israel can enter into the presence of God. He's showing now the means by which unholy and unrighteous people enter into the presence of God. Notice God is playing out a story through these people. These people were different. They were peculiar. They lived different lives. They did daily blood sacrifices for the sake of administrating the presence of God among them. Stay with me now. So Leviticus ends with them now having the law, the means by which they can enter into the presence of God. And so so Leviticus ends with them having the presence of God. God is now with them. Numbers is about them going on this road trip over to the promised land. And and so along that way, we see all the stride, the division, all that stuff. But it was when they got to, it's when the spies were sent out and the people were afraid. And because they lacked faith in the promise of God, that now God said, because of your lack of faith, you won't enter into the promise. That we're gonna stay here for another 40 years and wait for the next generation to cross over to the river, cross over the river Jordan and enter into the land that was promised to them, which reveals something. It wasn't their sin that caused them not to enter in the presence of God. It wasn't the disagreement. It wasn't any of that. What caused them to not enter into the presence of God was a lack of faith. I'm just recapping here, family. A lack of faith. It's it's actually faith. They're believing in the promise of God and their unbelief in the promise of God that kept them from entering into the promise of God. Did you hear that? Unbelief in regards to the promises of God, prohibit us from entering into the promise of God, the promise of salvation. The only ticket into the promise of salvation is faith in that promise. The only ticket into the promises of God is actually faith. It's not in how you act, it's not in what you do, it's not in your lifestyle, it's not in your behavior, it's not in how well you follow the rules. It wasn't in any of that. It was in their ability to believe. Okay, It was their faith in the promise. And so we see it ends with them not going into the promised land. And as a result of that, Deuteronomy was written because now 40 years have passed. And after those 40 years have passed, the children are about to cross the River Jordan. But before they cross the river Jordan, Moses through Deuteronomy gives a series of sermons. That's really what it was, is this long drawn out sermon to reiterate to the new generation, the law that was given from the previous generation. He's giving them the law again. This is why it's called Deuteronomy, the law again. So he's giving them the law again. And as a result of giving them the law again, he gives them additional laws. Notice, God is making amendments to the law as he goes. <laughs> the law is being amended as he goes. We'll continue to see amendments to the law as we go. Why? Because the means of the law was meant to shape the people into becoming the nation of priests, not the means by which one enters into the presence of God and not the means by which one goes to heaven or hell. That We we, we teach that, okay? We misteach that. We've read up to this point. When we get there, please tell me when we get there and stop me and go, wait, right there, it says it. Because nothing we've read up to this point has anything to do with how we go to heaven or hell or what laws we follow to go to heaven or what laws we, we, we don't follow and what we ought to do and not, not to do to go to heaven or hell. Nothing has been said up to this point. I'm just giving you facts, okay? I'm just reading what's there. All right, again, I'm not giving you anything that's not there, okay? But rather it speaks to the will of God, revealing the character of God and what he desires for his people because what God has desired to do is to establish his kingdom on earth. God is in the business of restoring earth and restoring his land. But to restore the land, he has to restore the people. To restore the people, he has to renew our hearts. And so now Moses is done. Deuteronomy ends, Moses gives his final words, he gives his his final teachings, laws that they ought to follow once they go into the land. And then now that now that they've now that they're about to cross the River Jordan, Moses, because of his disobedience to God, Moses now stays. Right? He doesn't get the privilege to enter into the land, not at this time at least, to enter into the land. And so he commissions Joshua. He anoints Joshua, the, the 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 leader. And so Joshua now is about to take the people into the promised land. And now we find ourselves in the book of Joshua. So turn your Bibles there for a second. A little bit more than a second. Today's more introduction. We'll read for maybe 10 to 15 minutes today, but I wanted to make sure I introduce all those things because I won't do this again. I won't introduce them this way. I want to just continue on through the story from here on out. But I wanted to give everybody a background, especially those who are starting today, reading through the book of Joshua. We've chronicled the story of God's people who are really the backbone story of all people, because what happens with God and his, and and God's people, the Israelites is going to reverberate for all of humanity. Okay. And so now we get to Joshua, Joshua chapter one. I'm really encouraged by your words guys really encouraged joshua chapter one and it says this after the death of moses the servant of the lord it came to pass that the lord spoke to joshua the son of Nun, moses assistant saying moses my servant is dead now therefore arise go over to this jordan you and all this people to the land which i am giving to them to the children of israel Every place that that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore you. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all which Moses, my servant, commanded you. And do not turn from it to the right hand. Sorry, do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of law shall not depart from your mouth you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp and command the people saying, prepare provisions for yourselves. For within three days, you will cross over the Jordan to go in and possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites and the Gadites and half the tribe of Manasseh, Joshua spoke saying, remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you saying, the Lord your God is giving you rest and is giving you this land. Your wives, your little ones and your livestock shall remain in the land which which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan. But you shall pass before your brethren armed all your mighty men of valor and help them until the Lord has given your brethren rest as he gave you. And they also have taken possession of the land which the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you on this side of the Jordan toward the sunrise. So the answer Joshua was saying, all that you command us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we heeded Moses in all things, so we will heed you. Only the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Hmm. Whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words in all that you command him, he shall be put to death. Only be strong and of good courage. Only be strong and of good courage. Chapter 2. Now Joshua the son of Nun sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land secretly. Sorry. Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab, and they lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the country. So the woman told the two men and so, so the woman took the two men, sorry, and hid them. So she said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And it happened as the gate was being shut when it was dark that the men went out where the men went. I do not know. Pursue them quickly for you may overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. And the men pursued them by the road of the Jordan to the fords, and as they soon sorry, and as soon as those who pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof, and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that terror and that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. For you, when you came out of Egypt, what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed, as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted, neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you? For the Lord, your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now, therefore, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown, your, shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token and spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. So the men answered her. So the men answered her and they said to her, whoops, <clears throat> sorry. So the men answered her, our lives for yours. If none of you tell this business of ours, and it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. Then she let them down by the rope of a window for her house was on the city wall. She dwelt on the wall and she said to them, get to the mountain." Lest the pursuers meet you, hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Afterward, you may go your way. So the men said to her, we will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear. Unless when we come to the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you have let us down. And unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers and all your father's household to your home. So it shall be. That whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his hand and we will be guiltless. And whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. If a hand is laid on him. And if, and if you tell this business of ours, then we will be free from your oath, which you made us swear. Then she said, according to your words, so be it. And she sent them away and they departed and she bound the scarlet cord In the window. They departed and went to the mountain and stayed there three days until the pursuers returned. The pursuers sought them all along the way, but did not find them. So the two men returned, descended from the mountain, and crossed over, and they came to Joshua the son of Nun, and told him all that had befallen them. And they said to Joshua, Truly the Lord has delivered all the land into our hands, for indeed all the inhabitants of the country are faint hearted because of us. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, between 2,000 cubits by measure. Hmm. Do not come near it, that you may know by the, by the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priests who bear the ark of the covenant, saying, When you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, by this, you will know that the living God is among you and that he will, he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Gergesites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. Behold, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take for yourselves 12 men of Israel, one from every tribe, and it shall come to pass as soon as the souls of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan will be cut off. The waters that come down from upstream, they shall stand as a heap. So it was, when the people set out from the camp to cross over the Jordan, with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped into the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest. But the waters which came down from upstream stood still, and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zeretan. So the waters went down into the Sea of Ereba, the Salt Sea, failed and were cut off and the people crossed over opposite Jericho then the priest who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan and all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan there's just so much here and it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan, that the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, take for yourselves 12 men from the people, one man from every tribe and command them saying, take for yourselves 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan. Each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come saying, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them with the waters of the Jordan, which were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off and these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones from the midst of the Jordan as the Lord had spoken to Joshua according to the number of the tribes, of the children of Israel and carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. Then Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests who bore the ark of the covenant stood and they are there to this day. So the priests who bore the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until evening was finished that the Lord had commanded Joshua to speak to the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua and the people hurried and crossed over. And it came to pass when all the children had completely crossed over, that the ark of the Lord and the priests crossed over in the presence of the people. And the men of Reuben, the men of Gad, and the men of Manasseh crossed over armed before them before the children of Israel. As Moses had spoken to them, about 40,000 prepared for war crossed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of Israel and they feared him as they feared Moses in all the days of his life. Then the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, command the priests who bear the ark of the testimony to come up from the Jordan. Joshua therefore commanded the priest saying, come up from the Jordan. And it came to pass when the priest had bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord, had come from the midst of the Jordan that the soles of the priest's feet touched dry land. The waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed its banks as before. Now the people came up from the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month and they camped in Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And these 12 stones, which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, what are these stones? Then you shall hear your children know. Sorry. Then you shall let your children know, saying Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. (laughs) for the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea which he dried up before us until we had crossed over that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord that is mighty that you may fear the Lord your God forever hmm. Father we thank you for this opportunity Lord, for us to read your word. Father, we come before you asking, Lord, that you would reveal your heart to us, reveal your will. Speak to us in this time. Give us the facility, Lord, to engage with you in your word. That we may be blessed and leave encouraged that we would leave empowered, that we would leave, inspired, that we would leave convicted, corrected. But to know, Lord, that you have called us to a higher calling. So bless us in this time and we ask that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um we we see a shift in this text Um, and, and the reason why we see a shift in the text is simply because of one thing there is a new leader up to this point since Exodus Moses has led the children of Israel through everything we just talked about you hear that like Moses has done it all Moses led the people from Egyptian captivity to now the Jordan. He led one generation to the Jordan, but Joshua is going to lead another generation through the Jordan. Moses took the people only so far. Joshua is now going to take them across the river. Jordan, there's um, so a couple of things that really stick out to me and we're, we're going to eventually uh, get to it uh, as we continue on in the book of Joshua. One of the things that I want you to pay attention to is how Christ is all over this book, how Jesus is all over this book. We see a foreshadow of Christ. Of Jesus in the book of Joshua. Um, Joshua is what we would call a type of Christ. Now, people find that weird to say that that Joshua is a type of Christ, but Joshua is a type of Christ. Um, he is anointed for this particular time to accomplish the call of God in his particular time. But that call of God is going to reveal and point to the higher calling of God, not just for these particular people and in this particular time, but he's revealing what's going to happen to all people for all time. It isn't a coincidence that Joshua's name is grammatically spelled as the same name as Jesus. Joshua is translated as Yeshua. Jesus is translated as Yeshua. So when people say that Jesus only showed up, you know, in in the New Testament when he was born, people got that twisted, they got that wrong. Jesus has been there from the beginning. The thing is, is that we have a, a very small myopic perspective of Jesus, not realizing that the scriptures tell us that, he, that in him all things consist. That is, that he is in all things, all things are in him. Jesus is in all of it. And all of this is about Jesus. Remember I told you that there's some scripture only reason why these these books aren't in the Bible is because they don't point to Jesus. That's all. Because, again, all scripture testifies of him. And yet this scripture here is really pointing to Jesus. Joshua's story is a story, is a foreshadow of Christ. And we're going to see that as we read through. And so I want you guys to be paying attention to that. And you're going to see me point that out Um, because Joshua also has... Uh, theophonic encounters or Christophonic encounters. We call them Christophanies or theophanies, encounters with Christ or uh, encounters with God. Okay. Um, and we're going to see that um, as we move forward. But up to this point, Moses has been leading. And this is just a uh, just a, I feel I just need to share this with with, with some of you here. But I have to share this with you guys, because up to this point, Moses has led the people. Joshua's name is sprinkled here and there. But Joshua doesn't really come to prominence. His name, at least in the text, doesn't come to full prominence until the end of the book of Deuteronomy. Now, of course, we remember in um, Numbers when Joshua and Caleb were... Were the two that resisted the temptation to run back and to you know out of fear to go back to the to go back to Egypt because of all the, the the things that they saw in the Promised Land, all you know the the giants that they saw in the Promised Land. They were afraid of the giants in the Promised Land and all that. And so, uh, out of all those from the prior generation, it was Joshua and Caleb that were left. Joshua was young; he was young at that time. Young and brave and passionate, and he was a warrior he was a soldier. I always said this that I think sometimes people forget that element of what was of 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 the upbringing of the children of Israel through the wilderness. The children of Israel were meandering through the wilderness, but the children of Israel were also being equipped for battle. I have to say that there's some practical practical things that people forget about is While they were in the wilderness, they were preparing for battle. Joshua was well prepared for battle. Caleb prepared for battle. The men were prepared for battle. How do we know that? Because the book of Numbers begins with a military census. They were counting the men who were going to go out to battle because they knew that once they went to the land that was promised to them, that they would have to fight for it. Again, you can go back to that reader and read another time. But just because something's promised to you doesn't mean you shouldn't fight for it. And sometimes we think that what God promises us is handed over to us. But there are things that God promises that are going to require us to fight. We have to fight for it. I say this, that there are some of us where God has promised us children, and yeah, we're going to have to fight for that. And some of us that God promised us This marriage, and you know God called you this marriage, but the marriage is hard because you have to fight for it. There are a lot of things that God promises to us that aren't just handed to us. They're going to take work. And yet what I find peculiar is that there are a lot of people who wait for the promise of God to be prepared for the battles of the promise. Let me say that one more time. There are those of us, okay, if you notice from this text, who are just like the children of Israel who we find ourselves in a wilderness, somewhere in between where we've come from and where God is taking us. That's really what the wilderness represents. I'm not in captivity, and this is a weird place that a lot of us are in right now. We're not in captivity, but we know and we sense that we're not where God's calling us to be yet. We're not there yet. and that's you, you can just put it in the chat say, I'm not there yet. And so you find yourself between where you've come from, but knowing that you have not arrived. And because you know you have not arrived, some of us find ourselves in a place of stagnation. We find ourselves in a place where we're just waiting now for God to do something, not realizing that the wilderness is a time of anticipation, not in a time of passively sitting and waiting and doing nothing. There are a lot of us who are waiting for the promises of God, but the promises of God cannot come to fruition without the preparation. a lot of us, we want the promise, but we don't want the preparation. (laughs) I hope this is helping somebody. Because the children of Israel, even though they are not in the promised land yet, and they're in the wilderness, they are still equipping for battle. So for those of you who you have a revelation. You know where God's taking you. You know what God's promising you. You know where God, you you have that sense of where God's taking you. And yet, <laughs> you're doing nothing now. Your activity shows that you have yet to believe in the promise that God has for you. I'll give you some practical stuff before we get into the text. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. I know you believe in the promise when your actions reflect it. If you knew that God was going to give you what he promised you tomorrow, what would you do today? A lot of us will change our activity and our behavior today. If you knew that within the year that God was going to give you some things and that he was going to set some things aside and that he was going to position you into some things, you would change how you behave today. The reality is, is that some of us, We've been praying for God. We've been praying for a better job or we've been praying for a better situation. We've been praying for things to improve in our marriage. We've been praying for things to, and we're waiting because once that's done, then I'll get it together. And yet you've gotta be prepared for the promise that's being given to you. That was a side note, I'm sorry, that was a side rant. Um, but I had to point that out because We forget that the children of Israel were very much prepared for battle. They were ready for battle because they knew they weren't going to walk into the promised land without being equipped. The problem with the prior generation was is that even though they prepared for battle, they felt like their preparation wasn't good enough. Side note, family, is that for many of us, We've, as much as we prepare and as much as we work, we realize there's some things that we're getting into that seem bigger than who we are. And this is where God comes in. God asks us to prepare, but God is the one that blesses whatever he gives. It's, God blesses the works of our hands. God blesses our preparation. And so we have to trust God that if we've given it all we have, then God will do the rest. Okay? That's, that's the active resting that we have in God. Those are just side notes for just to help you out. But back to Joshua. Joshua is well equipped for battle. Joshua is well equipped for war. Joshua uh is in many ways a right-hand man to Moses. Joshua um uh, went up to the Mount Sinai with Moses and went halfway there. Joshua he was a man who was revered by Moses. He, he was he was a mentee to Moses. He he stood alongside Moses, served Moses. He was faithful to Moses. I love the posture of Joshua because Joshua did not come with intentions to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. Joshua simply came with the intention to serve the Lord through serving Moses. Joshua was okay with being number two. You know, I think sometimes we, and this is just a side rant, um, I have a lot of side rants within the rant, but this is another side rant is there are many of us who we have yet to be okay with number two, like being in being the second hand or the right hand man being the, the, the one who the, the all eyes aren't on you, all eyes on Moses, but You're the one working in the back end, and you're the one who's putting the grind together. You're the one who's helping strategically move the vision forward. Joshua is very much the general of this army, but Moses is mobilizing. He's the visionary. He's the one standing before everyone. Joshua is the one in the back end who's working the strategy, making sure that things are moving forward. And the reality is is that for a lot of us, we wouldn't be okay with that unless we were getting credit for it. Joshua doesn't seem to be getting much credit at this point for what he has done. Most of the equipping that's happening with Joshua being built up into what he's being called to be built up into. All the training has really been simply in his dwelling with Moses. Joshua dwelled with Moses. He 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 dined with Moses. You got a sense, even through the text. And that he was very, very close to Moses. He was a spiritual son in many ways. He was a mentee in many ways. And I find that for many mentees, um, and it's just something that I'm beginning to notice even from me in ministry, and I'm beginning to notice that there are a lot of people who are rushing into position. And what I find is that for those who, who are rushing into position, I usually immediately mark that as an indication of being unprepared because those who know the, those who are prepared know the weight of the mission and know the weight of the calling and know profoundly how challenging it will be to move into this next arena, into this next step. And so for those who are quickly running into roles and into positions of leadership and into positions of ministry, that is an immediate indication to me that that person ain't ready yet because that person does not know yet the weight of his calling. I find that the people that I like pushing into positions are the ones who immediately tell you, man, I don't even know if I'm ready yet. I don't, I I'm okay with staying here. I'm okay with staying in the back end. I'm okay with being a number two. There's a blessing in being number two. There's a blessing in a role. A matter of fact, you can't learn to properly lead until you learn how to serve. Um, I, I say this because I find that the blessings in leadership are the opportunities that you can find in actually serving someone else. Um, I have a few uh, men of God who I consider to be spiritual fathers, and they 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 know my my position here if there's a conference going on or something that's happening and it's a big conference and, you know, it's a conference with thousands of people showing up and, and you know, I mean, it's an opportunity to show out, right? You get to sit in the front row and sit next to all the famous guys because I've got mentors who are well-known around the world. And so, why not be able to sit next to them and you know show that I'm a man of position and a man of title and a man of esteem? Because that's what we like. We like being seen and and to be positioned. But my spiritual leaders know who I am and they know what I desire and they know where my heart is. Because I'm quick to not sit in the first row. I don't care to sit in the front row. As a matter of fact, leave me backstage. Show me what I need to do to serve you. How can I? How can I make things easy, easier for you today? What can I do? do? Do you need me to carry your suit? Do you need me to, do you need me to carry your Bible? Do you need, what do you need me to do? Just let me know what you need me to do. Oh, you could just sit right there. I say, you know what? I'm going to sit in the corner. All you have to do is look at me. If you look at me and you need something, I'll run over and I'll go grab whatever it is you need me to grab. Just text me and I'm ready to go. I love being in a position of serving those who I esteem. Why? Because not only is there a blessing in it, it teaches me how Christ leads. It teaches me how Jesus leads. Jesus did not lead through position. He led through service. He bent down and knelt and washed the feet of the disciples. And so there are those who I see, I've, I've had guys, peers who, uh, were under some of the same mentors and the same leaders and, and I don't like shouting out names, so I'm not going to call any names out. But these are people that many of you would know um, if you're in the church world. If you're not in the church world, you know, don't even worry about it. But very many of you who are, in the, who are in the church world are like, oh, you know that person, that person? No, you, I, I'm not about the name calling. I'm not about the shouting out of names. I'm not about any of that because I know the way I can receive from you is by serving you. People don't understand the principle of growing through serving And so Joshua, as you notice, has been serving Moses. He's been serving, he's been serving, he's been serving, he's been serving. And right at the end, Moses gives him the job. Moses is about to die. And Moses tells the rest of the congregation and all the nation of people and says, I'm handing this over to Joshua. Up to this point, we we don't really know much about Joshua, uh, except that he is a bold man. Up to this point, we know that Joshua he, he he speaks his mind. We know that Joshua stands up for what he believes in because we saw what he did when the twelve when the twelve spies came back. But that's about that's about it. We don't really know much about Joshua up to this point. Joshua has been behind the scenes, and he's happily he's happily positioned himself behind the scenes. And then Joshua opens up. And in Joshua chapter 1, if you read it, I see a phrase that iterates over and over for him. And I find this to be a mark of God's leadership. And I, I find it as a mark of being anointed by God. People think the mark of being anointed by God is how capable you are, how able you are, how spiritually gifted you are how knowledgeable you are of scripture. All these things apparently are the ones that give markings of, you know, who's anointed by God, right? <laughs> In verse two, Joshua one, he says, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all his people to the land, which I am giving them the children of Israel. Every place that your soul, that the soul of your foot will tread upon has given you. As I've said to Moses, notice, He's saying, whatever I said to Moses, I'm now saying to you from the wilderness and and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river you said is the land of the Hittites, the great sea. We read all that. And he says in verse five, no man shall be able to stand before you in all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you with you. He says to him, I will not leave you nor will I forsake you. He's telling, he's literally telling Joshua. What you saw in Moses and what I accomplished with Moses, and as I was with Moses, I will be with you. He's affirming to Joshua that whatever Moses had, you have. Some might, some some may say, wait. But Joshua didn't have the education Moses had. Joshua didn't have the encounter. Moses' the story is different from Moses. But you're forgetting that they understood that the most important quality of being called by God is to have the presence of God in your life. Let me say that one more time. The most important quality of being called by God is not how good you preach. It's not how knowledgeable you are of scripture it's not in how good looking you are it's not on how strategically brilliant you are because there's some good preachers who aren't moving in the power of god there's some good teachers who are teaching to themselves there's some there's some really good looking preachers who all they have is just a crowd of people who want to see them and not see anybody else he's saying he's saying to him he's saying to Joshua your biggest value is not going to be in your looks and your abilities and your talents and your capabilities. It will be in my presence. And you're saying, the same way that I was present with Moses is the same way that I am going to be present with you. We need to change our prayer, church. There are some of us who are going to be stepping into new dimensions in the body of Christ. Some of us will be called into new arenas. There are some of us that God is calling us into whatever it is, into ministry or into mission or into some of these things. And some of us are looking at the people who've gone before us and said, man, I will never be like them. I will never have their ability. I I won't ever know what they know, and and I'm so limited in what I can do, and I'm not entirely sure. And yet, this is the word of encouragement for you, is it's not going to be based off of getting more information and more knowledge. It's going to be based off of how much time you spend in the presence of God. If you would seek the presence of God in your life, then that will be what informs and empowers you to go into where God is calling you. If God is calling you to start, um, um, he's calling you to take over your parents' business. He's calling you to start a new business. Maybe there was a ministry that you were called to. Maybe there were some things that, that you're being called to step into, and you're wondering, man, when am I going to be capable? You won't have it. You're not going to have what your parents had. You're not gonna have what the generation before you had. You're not gonna have what the pastor before you that you were under have. You're not gonna have the anointing that the pastor before you had. You're not gonna have the gifting. Your story is different. Your context is different. The people that you're ministering to are different. Joshua is leading this generation into a whole new season, into a whole new place. So therefore, Joshua cannot lead the way Moses leads. However, Joshua needs what Moses has and what Moses has was the presence of God. He said, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. So actually, my prayer shouldn't be, let me get the degree that the pastor that I served under has. Nothing wrong with that. Let me go to the same school that the pastor that I serve Went to let me get the same education and the same backup let me make sure i get all of his notes let me make sure oh this is gonna be a side rant i find it a little weird and please don't don't i hope i don't offend anybody okay i hope i don't offend anybody but i find it a little weird that there are people who are younger than me who preach like people who are 40 years older than me. And I found that a little odd. And the reason why I found that odd was I said to myself, man, they're really good at preaching like the way the bishop they grew up on preached. But this generation doesn't receive the word in the same way that your grandparents' generation received it. This generation doesn't receive in the same way that they did. This This generation doesn't process the same way. This generation has different demons and different struggles and different battles and different things that they're dealing with. The preaching that you're preaching is good for the old folk. And nothing wrong with the older folk. Nothing wrong with that. But if you are a young, I'm talking about you, you're younger than me. If you're younger than me, And you're preaching a message that only your grandparents connect to. Something is wrong with that. You developed the pastor you grew up in and the church that you grew up in. You developed their skill and their expression. That's right. It's called mimicking. You became a parrot. You're very good at expressing and emoting the way they did. But you actually are completely disconnected from what this generation is going through. So for a guy like me, if I'm going to preach, I need to preach to those who are in their 30s because that's who I'm called to. And and, and, and yet, if I preach in this way, I know that the Lord can use me to go to, 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 to minister to those who are in their teens and to minister to those who are in their 60s and 70s. Because the Lord wants to not simply give me a skill and an ability. The Lord wants to give me his presence are you with me family i don't want my dad or my present or my my parents skill and their information and their knowledge alone that's not what i want i want the god that was with them i want his presence and if I'm going to get his presence and I'm going to need to get on my knees, I'm going to need to seek after him because if God's going to use me, he's going to need to use me in that way. Joshua, Joshua has the promise of his presence. He says, I will not leave you nor will I forsake you. And then God says something to Joshua that we see him repeat over and over and over again. He says to Joshua, be strong and of good courage. Then in verse seven, only be strong and very courageous. Ooh, in that same chapter later on, at the end, actually the last words at the end, only be strong and of good courage. Why? Why would God continue to say to Joshua over and over and over and over again, be strong and of good courage? Why would he say that? Why would he say over and over again to Joshua, be strong and of good courage? Unless the Lord is perceiving in him that there's fear. that he sees his misgivings, that he sees his incapabilities, that he sees what he cannot do. Yeah, he's doubting himself. Yeah, there's doubt. He's questioning. He's wondering, wait a second. I-, I don't know if I can do this. I know I know Moses gave it to me, but I was a number two and I was okay with that. I think we've, we're we not realizing here. I, mean, I-, I wanna make sure y'all getting this. Please fam, get this. Joshua is okay with being a number 2. He never wanted to be number 1. <laughs> he didn't ask for it. Nobody's going, "Hey, can you uh, can hey, when you take over, can you can, can I take over?" Josh was never Josh Joshua didn't care for that. He wanted to serve. And yet now Joshua has been given a role that he that we can presume here that he sees goes way beyond his pay grade. Be strong and of good courage. Verse nine, he says, "Be strong and of good courage." Look at it. I, hold on. Let me let me let me go through this real quick. Verse six, he says, "Be strong and of good courage." Verse seven, be strong and very courageous. Verse nine, he says, "Be strong and of good courage." Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. Verse eighteen, in the same chapter, be strong and of good courage. Hmm. God sees something here. And he's speaking into something here. God wouldn't tell him to be strong and of good courage unless he was afraid. Unless he was dismayed. And yet the Lord said, be strong and of good courage. Watch. He didn't say because you got it all together. Not because you have all the ideas. Not because you have all the strategy. Not because you have any of that. Actually, The reason why you ought to be strong and of good courage is because I'm with you. Man, I have one more point, but I don't know if I'm going to get to it because I'm I'm already over time. I know my boys are like, okay, Dad, we hear it. Be strong and of good courage. This is for somebody right now who you're about to enter into a new season in your life. You have to understand crossing the River Jordan it's terrifying it's scary oh it's scary crossing into a place that you do not know even when you know and trust in the promises of God notice Joshua was the first person to say God's gonna give us this land he knew it and yet now he's about to cross over but he has to lead these people Joshua wasn't ready for that and yet Joshua did it scared why he did it scared because God was with him. Shouldn't that be good enough? Whatever you're going through right now, shouldn't it be good enough that God is with you? Like, Shouldn't that be good enough? Shouldn't it be good enough to know, God, you're with me? In his presence, there's fullness of joy and his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Shouldn't it be good enough to know that as I was with Moses, so I am with you? Shouldn't that be good enough? Shouldn't it be good enough just to know that God is with you, ah we gotta move from this apartment, and I don't know where we're going next, but God is with me, man we're gonna have to step we're gonna have to step into this thing and say yes to this 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 thing that God is calling us to. we don't know exactly how it's gonna go, ah, but God is with me ah he's calling me out and he's calling me to finally get married to that girl, and yet I don't even know where I'm gonna get the money, I don't know how we're gonna pay for it, but 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 God is God is with me and and yeah we're about to have this kid and I don't know where I'm going to get the money because man we're we're struggling right now just to just to keep it together but 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 God is God is with me shouldn't that be good enough to know that God is with us I I don't even know how I'm going to pay rent next month and 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 I, I gosh I don't I don't have all the answers to that but but God is with me. Didn't you move because you you were convinced and convicted that God was calling you there? If God is calling you there, then what do you need? God to be with you. He said as I am. He told Joshua, as I am with Moses, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And because of that that was good enough for Joshua. That was good enough. For Joshua, I want to say one last thing, and then I'm done. And maybe I'll I'll start with that, because we're going to begin to see now the foreshadow. I really want to point to that to see how you see Joshua, how you see Jesus through Joshua, because Joshua's name is actually Jesus. Joshua's name is actually Yeshua. That's Joshua's name. It's spelled exactly how Jesus' name is spelled. <clears throat> Well there's some things I need to back into that um but it's phonetically and and it's spelled the same way as Jesus would his name would be would be spelled now there's something that I noticed as I was reading this that just stuck out to me and I wanted to share this with you because it's kind of exciting for me to share this with you We said that Joshua now is leading a new generation into the land that was promised to the old generation. Did you hear me? Joshua, um I hope I hope my I hope uh to teach her own is moderating. So if there's any distracting comments, um I I know to teach her own will will we'll moderate um any comments or distraction. But but Joshua Joshua is leading the next generation into the land that was promised to the prior generation. The prior generation got to see some things. The prior generation crossed the Red Sea. They saw the water split and divide and they crossed over to the Red Sea and then they went into the wilderness where they would not Go to the land that was promised to them, which was only just a few days away. the the promised land was not that far away, guys, from from Egypt. Okay, it wasn't that far away. It's a couple days journey. Okay, but they spent forty years there because they did not have the presence of God, and because they had not understood the calling for the promise. So they needed the covenant. But now Joshua, after Moses is given the covenant, Moses reiterates the covenant in Deuteronomy to the children of Israel. Stay with me here because this is something that just, just stuck out to me. Deuteronomy reveals the law again. That's literally what it means, Deuteronomy, the law again. So now the new generation is getting the law that the old generation had. the old generation crossed over the Red Sea. And now we find the new generation crossing over the River Jordan. We find a miracle at the River Jordan, very similar to the miracle at the Red Sea. Are you with me? we find that spies were sent over to scan the land. But we saw that happen already in the book of Numbers when 12 spies were sent over to go survey the land. And now spies are being sent over again to survey the land. I see something here that They received the law. The old generation received the law, so did the new. The old generation to step into a new context and a new season crossed over a water, so did the new. The old generation sent spies into the land that was promised to them and now so will the new. And yet the spies go across, they come back. What is different? I'd like to close and say this. It's the same thing. We're seeing a pattern of promise. Ooh. We're seeing a pattern of promise. It's the same thing, but it's not. The new generation received the law. That's the same thing. The new generation crossed over the waters. That's the same thing. The new generation sent spies to the promised land same thing, but the results were different. (sighs) The promise was the same, but the results were different. (laughs) Uh, The new generation is reliving the story of the old generation. But this time around, something different is happening. Are y'all catching it? Are you guys catching it? Do you see how it's different? The new generation crossed the waters, but this time they didn't wait for the miracle to cross it. It's not the same. There was a stepping in to it that led to the miracle hmm it was different, but the new generation didn't see a prophet raise up a staff and see the water split no the new generation saw the priests enter with the presence of God into the water and the water split oh it's different ooh it's the same, but it's different ah uh-huh. Uh-huh. The, the the new generation, when they went, they didn't want to see whether or not they could win. They went to see where they're going first for what was already given to them. Ah, something is going before them. Before they even go. They they were aware. Uh-huh. The old generation was waiting for certainty. The new generation was believing in the promise. Oh, I hope somebody's catching this. I hope someone is seeing this. The old generation, they were at Mount Sinai, they built the tabernacle, they had all of it, but they crossed the water before the tabernacle. Now they have the tabernacle. When they cross the water. Oh. I'm gonna come, I want you to to keep, I want you to put a bookmark on that because I wanna work that tomorrow. Because tomorrow we're gonna talk about when they enter into Jericho. But this generation, something's different because when the spies come back, they didn't come back and say, ah, that we seem like grasshoppers to them. The spies came back and said, we're gonna win this thing and this is how we're going to do it. Not only that, this one's different because in this one, they get revelation because they didn't just look at the giants and they didn't just see the giants and go, oh my gosh, we are afraid of them. No, they inquired because they know that there's a promise. And now they get confirmation of the promise. When we look at John, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. Um, Rahab says to them, in verse 11 She says to them, "We heard stories. Well, before verse 11, that we heard stories of what the Lord had done through you. We heard of the victories you gained at Sihon and Og. That was way back. That was decade Y'all, that was decades ago. That was decades ago. We heard what happened in Sihon and Og. We heard what you did to the two kings of the Amorites. That was verse 10, verse 11. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage and anyone because of you, for the Lord your God, he is the God of heaven above and on earth beneath. Watch this now. This is one of the most encouraging and one of the saddest portions of our reading today. And the reason why it's one of the most encouraging and sad portions of our reading today is, is it takes us back to Numbers. When they had already won the victory. It takes us back in numbers. When they had entered into the land that was promised to them and they came back. It it takes us back there where they were afraid to cross the Jordan. Because they saw how big the enemy was. But what they did not know was how afraid the enemy was of them. Remember back then, Balaam was called to profess curses on the people because they were so afraid of the children of Israel. They did not know that the enemy was afraid. And now decades later, they're still talking about it, that they've been waiting because they knew that these people have God with them. The only reason why they are still in the wilderness It's because they don't believe in the promises. And how crazy is it that the enemy believes in the promise more than us? How crazy is it that the enemy, enemy believe more in the power and the promises of God than the children who were the beneficiaries of the promise? How crazy is it that even though they were the ones with the promise, it's the ones who were on the other side of it who are saying, my God. I pray that they don't realize that it is the God who is above all gods, El Elyon, the possessor of the heavens and the earth, El Shaddai, Jehovah Yahweh himself, who says that he's with them. I hope they don't know because the moment they know what we know, then we already know that we are defeated. What if I told you? And we're going to come back because i really want to come back to this but i want to stay right here what if i told you that the enemy already knows that he's been defeated what if i told you that the enemy already knows that he is defeated his heart has been melting for a long time he already knew a long time ago that god was with the people that he chose he already knew All he's hoping at this point is that they don't know. What he's hoping is that the children of God don't know. What he's hoping is that they stay quiet. What he's hoping they stay passive. What he's hoping is that they stay in this little thing where they're like, Oh my gosh, I'm scared of the enemy. I'm scared of the devil. I'm scared of where God's calling me. I'm the enemy is hoping the enemy is banking on our ignorance. Do you want to know what's holding back the children of God, the people of God, the church of God from moving in the power of God? Ignorance. Satan already knows he's been defeated. He's delaying it by our ignorance. There's somebody right now who's fighting a spiritual battle right now and confronting a spiritual enemy and you're dealing with a spiritual enemy and you're and you're literally going home terrified. Ooh, there's like three people here who are actually terrified to go home. You feel like the walls are caving in in your house. You feel like there's a presence in your house. You feel there's there's an enemy in your house. There's a dark force in your home that is keeping you and chaining you. There's some people right now that are being suffocated in their bed that are completely afraid and terrified because they know that there's an evil presence in their home. There's somebody right here right now who, who actually stays out of their home for as long as possible because they are absolutely terrified of what they sense, the presence the presence of an enemy that they sense in their house. I came to tell you today that the enemy is banking on your ignorance. I came to tell you today that the enemy is hoping you remain ignorant. I came to declare to you today that the enemy is hoping you don't know who you are. I came to tell you today that the enemy is hoping that you remain ignorant and fearful. Notice, They saw that they were grasshoppers to the enemy, but the enemy was terrified of them. What if I told you that what you're seeing in your home, you're seeing yourself as a grasshopper, but the enemy is seeing you as a victor. What if I told you that Christ has already fulfilled it, that you already have the victory, you've already won the battle. All the enemy wants now is for you to remain ignorant. What if I told you the enemy has already been defeated and God has already gone before you? Have you noticed that as fearful as you are of whatever's happening in your home, you notice you come back and you're still not touched, unscathed? The reason why you're unscathed is because the enemy wants you to be afraid to keep you passive, but the enemy can actually do nothing to you. The devil is defeated. The enemy is powerless. There's some things we're not stepping into because of fear, and yet the enemy has already been defeated. The enemy's powerless. I had to go there because some of us don't like talking about those things when the reality is there's some people right here, right now, who right now are burdened by the fear of what is happening in their home. And yet I came to tell you all the all all you need is is awareness. All you need is boldness. All you need, you don't even need there's some people right now that are waiting for a pastor to come to their house to pray over their home. Oh, I'm waiting for a pastor to come and pray over my house. I'm waiting for a minister. I've called my priest, and I'm waiting for my priest to come and do whatever ceremony they need to do to clear my house. I'm There's some of you right now that are dabbling into things that are not of God because of the fear that you have of what is happening in your home. And what the enemy is banking on is your ignorance. When the Lord has already given you victory. So I'm praying this over your life right now. I'm declaring it over your life. You have already won. Sin has been defeated. Jesus has paid it all. He said, I have overcome the world. There is no death for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no death for those who are in Christ Jesus. In Jesus Christ, you already have the victory. Greater is he that is in me. Christ is in us. He is the hope of glory. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The enemy wants you to not know that God is with you. Rahab says to the spies, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is the God of heaven and on earth beneath. They were terrified that these people would move. Oh, that you would move. That's the word of conviction today. Oh, that you would move. Oh, that you would know that you have the power already. Oh, that you would know that sin has been defeated. Oh, that you would know that Jesus paid it all, oh, that you would know that you have the victory. The difference between those spies and the spies before is at the close of verse 22 when it says, truly the Lord has delivered all the land into our hands, for indeed all the inhabitants of the country are faint-hearted because of us. May God bless you all. How are we able in Christ? Glazed, I want to tell you how you're able in Christ. Believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It is your faith in Christ that gives you power. How do we abide in Christ? Prayer. Belief. There's some people who chains have already been broken simply in their time in the word. But this is the same thing again. That's what we see here. We're seeing the same thing again. Except this time the children have victory. The difference between these children and the children before is not their ability to adhere to the law. It was their faith. May God give you the faith. To believe who you are may God give you the faith to believe what you are called to may he give you the faith in Christ may he give you the faith to know that the enemy has been defeated there's somebody right now that's gonna sleep real well tonight (laughs) you're gonna finally sleep tonight and the reason why you're going to sleep tonight is because you're going to you have been aware today by the power of the Holy Spirit you have been made aware today that the enemy wanted you to remain ignorant, but tonight you're going to sleep. Tonight you're gonna to sleep well. You're gonna you're gonna rise up tomorrow morning. And I, I I declare this over your life right now that the enemy will do nothing over you because the enemy cannot do anything over you. You will sleep tonight. You will rest well tonight. You will speak with authority tonight. You don't need to wait for an intercessor. You already have the power. It's already in you. And God is giving you power now over the forces of evil by the blood of Jesus Christ. Proclaim the blood of Jesus in your home. Proclaim the salvific blood of Jesus over your home. Proclaim it over your marriage. Proclaim it over your life. Just declare it. The enemy is afraid of you. Dearly Father, I thank you for this time, Lord, as we close. Father, I pray that you would uh, bless each and every person who's hearing today. Lord, I was just convicted, Lord, as I'm reading your word, Lord, to be reminded, Lord, not to operate in ignorance. Lord, that we have something that maybe the generation before did not have. We have a boldness and an awareness of who we are in you. Father, I pray, Lord, that this boldness and this awareness would be imparted upon each and every person who's hearing this today. Father, I pray right now that you would anoint them by the power of your Holy Spirit. Bless them in this time, Lord God. Or that they would know, Lord, who they are in you, to know that, Lord, you are in them, that your kingdom resides in them, that they have authority by the power of your blood and your sacrifice and your spirit. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh.